Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today for part two of the Wasp album by album, we got Baco. Baco, good to have you back. Thank you very much. I just got done fucking like a beast, uh, but uh, I'm uh, <laughs> taking care of all the uh, the pent up energy that I had prior to this. So I should be good and calm for the rest of this. So, so one might say you have dirty balls now. <laughs> That's a good reference. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, right now, yeah, because I haven't showered. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you're, you're. There's a little bit of a sheen on you, so that that would. <laughs> Explain. Well, it's not appropriate when you when you fuck like a beast. You shouldn't just go clean up right away. Exactly, you kind of lather in it a little bit. It, That's it has how black to, you would want. Yeah, it has to stew. It has to kind of curdle a bit. <laughs> curdle. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when, when we last Gross. left, Wasp- <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. When we when we last Man. left, Wasp, they were. They were raping a nun on a cross on stage and not getting any pussy. Um, uh, they just released a very dark industrial album in Kill, Fuck, Die. And we're going to cover the albums that come after that today from Hell Dorado to Golgotha. Um, and yeah, I think I don't think there's any like band history to get in. We covered all that in the first episode. So want to just jump right in? Well, I got a quick question for you. You know, yeah. you, you uh, of course, before we did this, you kind of gave me the split. These are going to be the records in part one and part two. I'm just curious, um, only because in my head, hell, uh, uh, Kill, Fuck, Die fits in this episode more than the last one. What was your, was it, why did, how did you end up deciding like where you're going to cut off and start part two? Honestly, it was just that I didn't want the first episode to be too long. It, it wasn't really like necessarily that, that I was like thinking like, oh, like this will be good to like end an era here. It was more that I thought like, okay, the perfect spot to end that first episode is going to be KFD because right. otherwise the second episode will be too long or otherwise the first episode will be too long. So that was kind of my thinking there. But like, I see what you mean. I, I originally was going to cut the first episode at The Crimson Idol. But then I thought about it like, ooh, that's that's a that's a lot to co- take in one episode, and then we got we got a double concept album in this episode too. That's gonna, I'm sure, eat yeah, up a lot of point. our time. Right, right on. Right. Cool. Just curious. Yeah, no, that's that's a good that's a good good thing. Yeah, I I I'm not not gonna lie, I, I struggled over that for a while. Like, what like how do I do this and like split it up because it, it it's a pretty hefty catalog, but it's a good one. So yeah, you ready to jump right in? I'm ready. Yeah, man. All right. So uh, released uh, May 18th, 1999. We're starting with uh, Hell Dorado. Oh, 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 
same lineup as the previous album. Uh, Blackie basically said, you know, like they wanted to have some more fun this time around um, in the in the booklet, at least. You know, like the lyrics are supposed to re- reflect where they were at at that time. So, which is, uh, you know, these are, <laughs> I mean, just got songs like "Don't Cry, Just Suck" and uh, "High on Flames," "Dirty Balls," and "Cocaine Cowboys." Yeah. Like, you know, like that 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 was. Uh, I think they went for a lighter fare, maybe because they scared some people. This one. I want to like it more than I do. I really want to like this one more than I do. But what kills me on this album is the production. Like Blackie's voice is kind of buried on a lot of these songs. And <laughs> at some point, should we name who's producing all these records? <laughs> yeah, uh, Blackie Lawless. Uh, uh, it sounds like a demo. It sounds like a demo. The drums don't sound that good to me. Mm. But I like the riffs on a lot of these songs. And there's a few that do stand out to me. Like I like the title track a lot. And I like Damnation Angels. But that the production is a big, big drawback for me with this album. And the other thing is, lyrically, I like immature stuff, obviously, but I don't know. These feel kind of forced. Like, Animal Fuck Like a Beast worked because it was well written. Like, Don't Cry, Just Suck, and Dirty Balls just kind of feel like, really? Like, Let's do that, it again. That's is, what it feels like to me. Yeah, it, like do me till I'm red, like a dick on a dog. Like that's the best you got, Blackie. Well, maybe yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't that's know. all I, I got, guys. That's if that's good enough for you. Uh, come up with something better, Chris. Yeah, Chris is like <laughs> shitting bricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've heard how good a lyricist he is, so he probably wasn't a whole lot of help there. Probably not. Uh, what do you think of this one, know, man? I, I, I tend to agree with you. Now, for a lot of people, um, you know, for someone like myself, uh, who has recovered in the last episode, is significantly older than yourself, uh, young man. Um, the 80s metal scene kind of made a bit of a resurgence around this time. So a lot of the this, this stuff that wasn't cool for most of the 90s, you started seeing these package tours and, and things of those bands going around and doing that stuff. So uh, Kill, Fuck, Die pretty much was ignored here in the United States. But this record, um, it just it seemed like it got a little more attention. I mean, Internet radio was just starting. So you're getting some of that stuff, too. And I just remember the overall vibe on this was that this is kind of a return to what wasp was kind of known for in their first three records kind of like a little vulgar but you know just kind of straight up party rock uh like metal like i said like i think a bridge between you know uh motorhead and motley Crue is, is a good good way to describe them anyway you, you're done with the concept records you're not doing the uh uh, the industrial record. This is straight up classic Wasp. Now, sonically, yes, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I, I get with your, your your comments on the production too. It is a little thin, and I there's going to be a handful of comments on, related to the production coming up as we get into some of these other records. At least for me, um, yeah, I remember at the time I was really jazzed about this record, but when I listen to it now. It is basically three songs, you know what I mean? Uh, and the, the, the songs I like on here are amazing, you know I mean? Uh, High on the Flames, um, the, the title track, you know, th- those just knock it out of the park. But yeah, Don't Cry, Just Suck is kind of silly. Uh, Cocaine Cowboys, I don't know, I, I don't think that really hits, but uh, Saturday Night Cockfight is kind of <laughs> fun. But, That's a fun title. Uh, That's a fun title. Yeah, yeah. So anyway... Yeah. Yeah, this was on CMC, which for those that don't know, like that was like the Frontiers records of the 90s. They had like Warrant 
and I'm pretty sure they had Poison, like all those like hair metal bands, Danger Danger. Yeah. Leonard Skinner too, by the way. Oh yeah, I forget they put out like uh, what was the what was the album Edge of Forever? That was the yeah, and it was a it was a, a pretty successful formula they had because people were still buying CDs. But what you would do is you basically had each audience you knew you could almost pinpoint exactly. We only need five thousand eight hundred twenty three of these because that's the same people are going to buy this. Uh, you know, Skinner wasn't selling their their huge numbers, but they would sell hundred to two hundred thousand copies of whatever they put out. And bands like Wasp and, like you said, Warranted, plus Slang Slaughter had one of this record. There was like yep. almost everybody. Fuck it. It, it uh, is, is easy way to put it. But yeah, it, it was a pretty successful formula for about four to five years. I think they were bought by Spitfire at some point and then just kind of got absorbed in all the labels. Interesting. Broke down, so. Interesting. I had no idea Spitfire bought them because I always wondered what happened to Spitfire because Spitfire was another one. You know, Spitfire had Alice Cooper and Dio and some other mm-hmm. acts like that. So, I might have that backwards. Maybe Spitfire became CMC, but I'm pretty sure CMC was first. And yeah, I was absorbed by Spitfire. Yes. Yeah, oh, I'm going by memory too, Alex. So there's a good chance I just have some shit jumbled up. So somebody CMC, in the comment section can tear me <laughs> CMC had to be first because not to get too off track. The, the first CMC release I seem to remember like in my record collection is uh, Ultraphobic by Warren. And I feel like that was like 1995 or something like that. So then, yeah, it definitely was CMC first. Yeah. Spitfire was like early 2000s, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That, that whole revival is so fascinating to me. Someday I want to do, do an episode on that because I was, even as a kid, I was very aware of it, like that these package tours were happening. Like my parents are going to see things like The Rock Never Stops and it was like Poison, Faster Pussycat and Cinderella. So yeah, like that was an interesting era. And I, I don't think it had the same effect for Wasp. I feel like Wasp didn't get the same no. <laughs> maybe boost that like a Cinderella or a Poison did. Definitely not. Um, uh, <laughs> and a local radio station actually went from, uh, do they have like a, something the x out there they're basically in every city now but it's like a hard rock metal station yeah um so like right around 98 they switched from being like an alternative like station that would play all the grunge stuff to this kind of uh to a hard rock station right so it was all that new new metal and stuff that was coming out but they would also sprinkle in cinderella and shit like that and, and poison and uh, and that's when it kind of seemed like it was okay to like that stuff again. I'm talking culturally. Uh, and you sent me a video to Wasp in Minneapolis in 2001. Yep. I don't know how it's possible because that was at the um, uh, club that the well Prince's old club Glam Slam at the time. Oh, this is after that. It was uh, called the Quest. Uh, not only was I active in going to shows at that time, I was playing shows at the Quest at that time. I have no idea how Wasp played a show 15 minutes from my house in 2001, and I wasn't there. I don't remember at all. Uh, I almost want to call bullshit that this was not in Minneapolis. There's no <laughs> way. Uh, but uh, I recognize the stage and the stuff around. It. I was like, fuck, what the fuck could I have been thinking? You know, I don't know. I, and I even had like a, a couple of friends that would have fucking gone. You know what yeah. I mean? So it wasn't like it, I would have had to go alone or anything like that. So my roommate, my couple guys in the band I was in, everything. It's just so that was a that was a really nice pull. I'm glad you shared that with me. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was trying to find uh, stuff from the next record that was like a live performance. That was what I found, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if he was at the show, but I guess I guess not. Yeah, I think you'd mentioned you hadn't gone. Yeah, I still haven't seen him live, but uh, like I said, I, I, I may be making a road trip for it. Well, everything is dependent on time, though. This this. this pandemic stuff is making things too unpredictable i'm not 
I'm not traveling uh, or booking travel that far in advance. So that's yeah, and I, I can't blame you. And if you if you can't go, I'll send you plenty of video and stuff. Oh yeah, I'll be show. I'll be scoping all this crap out on on YouTube as it happens. You know, it's going to be out there. So oh yeah, I'm I'm just bummed. I'm not the opening night of the tour anymore. I was the opening night of the tour, and then they added that Vegas thing before. <laughs> so now it's like great, great. Man, opening night, you either see the best uh, show of the tour or more likely one where they're still working a lot of shit out. And I got to believe a band like Wasp is going to have a lot of kinks to be broken out in the first few shows. So uh, that's that's a big reason why I think Armored Saints going to kind of they're going to be a tough band to follow to a certain extent. There's going to be enough Wasp fans that it's not going to matter. Almost like Kiss. But yeah. Yeah, no, like Kiss is always seemed like they take out a really good opening band, but it doesn't matter because the kiss heads, you know, they're there for kiss. Like maybe at some point, but they've been dragging a painter around with them. So I don't yeah. know. God, that was like, <laughs> I could go on a rant about, about, about my frustrations with kiss, but that's another episode. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's uh, schedule that episode later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For, for sure. Uh, to kind of bring it all home. Also, I thought this is kind of funny. Is your friend that we talked about um, when we talked about Crimson Idol, is he a fan of dirty balls? I don't know. I can't speak that specifically. I know he likes this record. Uh, okay. I, 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 uh, we probably had conversations uh, back when this album came out. Um, you know, he was my little CD shopping buddy too at that point. He's he's out in Denver now, but yeah, we uh, <laughs> wasp. I gotta tell you, this is such a fun band to fucking talk about. Uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. I was just telling my wife uh, tonight. You know, you know, like listening to all these records in, in like a small period of time you actually see patterns emerge yep. uh uh you know uh, let me get into one right now uh i didn't realize how much blackie goes woo uh <laughs> and he's got a killer woo you know what i mean i i can't do it uh but yeah he nails it like almost every fucking song man it's like and it's like i don't know there, there's a sameness to a lot of what what what, what he does as a writer which can be good and can be bad, but uh, yeah, I so many stories like the, the my buddy getting herpes, I, just all this stuff is just loosely. It's just something about wasp, man. It's they're they're up there with kids, yep. absolutely for sure. And this record, not 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 one of the best, but you know, back it's to still fun to talk Colorado. about. Yeah, back to Colorado. Not a be- not one of the best, but it's fun to talk about at least. And this is when well, you the- got Chris Holmes back, you know, I mean, yeah. well, he was back on kill fuck die and he's on this one. And the next one, uh, uh, I'll it, let you kind up, of leave the up, details up in the air on the next one, but we'll get to that. Um, this was one last thing on this. This was the one of the two that I didn't have prior to doing this. I hadn't heard this one mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd avoided it because I'd heard a lot of bad reviews that it was the worst. Oh, worst really? Lost album. And then I had, I have the sting, which I've had for years and I wasn't impressed with, uh, I think Dirty Balls is, is the song on there. Like, I wasn't impressed with that. <laughs> you got to play Helderado, right? Yeah, and the opening track, like, I don't know, that, that, that live record might have skewed my thoughts on it as well. So, yeah. Was... This is the last Wasp record I bought either on or close to release day. Uh, I was probably at Best Buy buying the, the day it came out. Uh, I heard High on the Flames, I think, on hardradio.com. And so I was pretty pretty pumped to to uh get it and when you can uh when 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 a song can can draw your attention like away from what you're doing on 1999 you know dial up internet quality <laughs> audio uh that says something because that's like am quality you know uh fidelity it's you know pretty shitty so and this record already sounds pretty shitty so i can only imagine <laughs> what that sounded Aww. like I don't think it sounds that bad, but I do agree with you that the production isn't great. 
Uh, Blackie's a bit up and down here as we go through here as a producer, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was a, a money-saving thing, much like, you know, again, another Kiss reference for you. Yeah, but part of me does wonder if he were to work with another producer, what it would be like. Think it would matter. I was, I, 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 you know, like Kiss fans like to debate that stuff, and I think there is a relevant argument there. Like, assuming they can actually do the job, which I don't think they can, but let's just put yeah. that out aside. I think the right producer could pull a good record out of Kiss. I think Blackie is is just fine staying the course. I, I don't know. It's almost like ACDC to a certain extent. Other than sonically, maybe sonically, get a Brendan O'Brien kind of guy. But uh, yeah. as far as the actual shape of the record, I, I think he's okay. He, he can just keep going. Imagine a Wasp record produced by Mutt Lang. That would be interesting. <laughs> Maybe back in the day, I, I don't wonder. I don't wonder how much Mutt's got left in the tank. <laughs> probably not. Probably not much. He doesn't do much anymore. Uh, yeah. wrap, wrap it all up. Uh, this one up at least. Uh, what's your favorite on this one? What's your pick? If I have to pick one, I'd probably go high on the flames. Hell, the is a great tune, but uh, yeah. And well, and I, I do like that Saturday Night Cockfight song. But, yeah, <laughs> probably high. High on the flames is 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 a stand up for me. I'm going to go with uh, the title track as, as my standout because that's been something I've been playing a lot lately.
just great, great opener. And I love the intro of the album too. the whole like skit where he's like the devil, you know, I guess you didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. Yep. So uh, yeah, least favorite though, I'm going to go with uh, hot rods to hell because it's just, I don't know. It's extra title track, but like not in a good way. It's just like, I'm out of ideas. So we're just going to do another song. that sound kind of sounds like hell Dorado, but it's not as good. I'm going to go with Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah, yeah I, I, I won't disagree there, but yeah. Middling album, if you're going to get into Wasp, do this one last. That's my that's my advice. Um, but uh, that they toured behind that record quite a bit, did a live record called The Sting, which Blackie's not a fan of. And there was also a video we talked about, which is an interesting quality concert. Like It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Um, it's a good little like set list I wish was longer, but it's an interesting watch. But um, when we finally get to uh, 2001, we get Unholy Terror with the same lineup, but Frankie Benali playing drums on a handful of songs. So that would have been like 2015, 2016, probably I got this record. And at the time I was kind of like, this sounds awful. I can't hear what he's saying. And I just put it away and mm. I didn't listen to it for years and pulled it out for the first time getting ready to do this episode. My God, was I an idiot. This record is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Holy shit. Is this a good album? Like, like the production could be better. Blackie could have pushed himself up in the mix more, I think, but man, I love this record. Like I, the energy, the, the themes of like, you know, like corrupt religion and stuff like that. Like that's something I really, you know, like I have strong feelings on. So I really like that he tackled that subject. Um, this is allegedly uh, Chris Holmes did not play on this allegedly, uh, but he's in the credits. So that's up for debate. I think he did because it sounds like him. So if it's not him, it's someone doing a damn good impression of him. Uh, this album is just, it's dark. It's like the headless children part too. It's more socially mm -hmm. conscious. Um, and then ends with a really fun song called Wasted White Boys. And you've got like something really dark, like Locomotive Man, which is about a school shooter and Charisma, which is about, you know, like political leaders and like how, you know, don't fall into that trap because, you know, it's, it's Charisma. That's how they suck you in. So, yeah, this is a really cool record. I think Blackie 
stepped up his game in terms of writing and went back to the headless children sound. I love this one. What do you think of this one? I don't like it as much as you, but I do think it's a good record um, and probably a step up from Hell Dorado. Uh, you know, one thing I think Blackie has done consistently, I've talked about the, the patterns that emerged. I, pretty strong opening tracks on most Wasp records. Uh, maybe yep. the Neon God Part 2 would be a standout, but it's you're kind of following a concept there, so that maybe is being judged unfairly if I put it that way. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, I, the, the, things start to, to mush in a little bit. I do agree with you. I, I think it's, it is Chris Holmes. I think it's just some bad feelings between Blackie and him. Um, and maybe a way to screw Chris out of money by saying, yeah, we re-recorded re, re all your stuff. But, uh, but Chris has even been kind of ambivalent on whether or not he's on it or not. So yeah. uh, who knows? But I, I, I'll say this. You, you, he has never had a guitar player that kind of added that, that flavor the way Chris did. They, um, they very much sound like hired guns when Chris yeah. isn't in the band and, and it kind of loses that band feel. So it's too bad that, that, that whole relationship fell apart, but um, yeah. And then for the most part, this record, uh, I, I gotta tell you, I, I not, I've added a lot of things to my like list of, of to look for when I go use CD shopping, pretty much all the wasp records I don't own are we're talking about today. Uh, this is one of them. And uh, I heard it back in the day. I just had no memory of it until I listened to it here recently and get prepped for this. And it's, it's, it's better production than Helderado, but, oh, yeah. uh, and again, I, I think overall, I like, like the record a little bit more, but really the title track is the only one that sticks out when I, when I go back to think about it, Interesting. or not the title track, the, the opening, tra let it roar, let it roar, let it roar. I'm sorry. Track one, the date, the, the album opener. Also Frankie Benali is uh, very uh, much, I don't know if it's Blackie saying do this or Frankie just going, going to do another Wasp record. Got to get this one little fill in every, but, right. you know, um, but yeah, he, he, cause it would, when after this, is it Mike Duda? Is he, is he the drummer? Mike, um, yeah. Mike Duda is the bass player. Okay. So it's, uh, oh, Stet Howland. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm not gonna, uh, but Stet doesn't quite pull off the, the fills that the, I'll call it the Benali fill in the same kind of smoothness. Uh, he, right. he, he tries to get in there a couple of times, which makes me think Blackie likes it, but uh, it just isn't quite the same. But uh, yeah, Frankie was a pretty solid drummer. Yeah, Frankie's someone like, he's like Chris Holmes that you can tell it's him when he's playing on a track because of the way he hits. So sure. yeah, and I, I never thought about that. Like that fill in uh, after the guitar solo in uh, Locomotive Man. <laughs> That's totally a Frankie Benali moment. That -duk 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 -duk. Yeah. yeah, he like, it, it, he throws it in between like the end of a chorus and into the next verse or the end of the verse into the chorus. Um, and it's really kind of a wasp Frankie Benelli thing because it's quite right playing. He doesn't throw that shit in everywhere, but uh, whatever. Got uh, rest in peace, Frankie. Yep. Uh, absolutely. One of the greatest drummers in rock for sure. Uh, yeah. What's your, your pick's going to be? Let Aurora take it. It is. Yes. <laughs>
right. So I'm going to go, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to go with locomotive man. so heavy love it and i gotta give a special shout out to the wasted white boys just because it's such a fun song to <laughs> yeah. end the record on and roy z uh who produced uh rob halford's uh solo records is playing guitar on that one too so that's kind of cool nice yep so yeah this is a great record this is if you like the headless children crimson idol sound this is a good record to check out so agreed very, very good so blackie tour behind that it kind of just built off of the uh Hell Dorado tour. I was looking at set lists from that era, and he basically just swapped out one song. He basically swapped out like Damnation Angels for Let It Roar and didn't switch up the set list much. So, which I thought was kind of weird and kind of did the same shtick he was doing for a while. But then uh, we had the tragedy of the World Trade Center uh, being hit by planes, and that kind of very much influenced. Blackie is a New York native, so the next album very much carries the theme of that. Released June 11th, 2002, we got Dying for the World. Yeah! 
uh, Blackie Lawless, Daryl Roberts on guitar, uh, Mike Dude on bass, and Frankie Benali playing all the drums this time. Uh, Seth Holland's not playing anything on this record. Uh, this one came up, it's a pretty quick follow-up, all things considered. Blackie takes time between releases, and this is a pretty quick follow-up to Unholy Terror, and it's fantastic. Uh, I like this one. I like the production better than the previous one. I might like the songs on the previous album better, but the production on this one's better. I can hear his voice more. It's really full. The songs are, a lot of them are high paced and like really angry, like Revengeance, Hell for Eternity. Like I love Blackie's like high falsetto and Hell for Eternity. It's so cool. It's that bone chilling like scream he used to do. And he brings it back. It's incredible. Uh, Trail of Tears, I wanted to mention. Uh, that's a emotional song for Blackie. I'm sure he's, you know, Native American heritage and addressing that subject on the album. That's kind of cool. He would bring that up. Uh, it's a really interesting album because it came out, there was no tour and he's only played it hallowed ground from this album live and he played it live once. So hmm. this is kind of like a really lost album in, in, in the canon. It's kind of like forgotten. Like it never got, in my mind, at least it's proper moment in the sun. It just kind of was out there and then went away. Uh, what what was it like that back in the day? Like you were there for the release. Like, do you remember? Did this get a lot of press? What, was he pushing? It? No, I, I definitely. I, I think I saw it in the record store, and that's how I first heard about it. Um, uh, again, Wasp is kind of like almost a European band at this point. You know, where you really don't hear too much about them. Uh, um, they, so they don't do a lot of uh, dates in the States and, and, but they seem to be doing pretty well, like in, in European, maybe it's the festival circuit over there is, you know, something that was, you know, has a much more bigger, like a bigger footbed uh, in, in Europe than it is in the United States even still, but uh, it's getting better here. But that, that said, I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I, I probably heard it for the first time in the last few years, uh, just kind of on some wasp fakes, you know, trying to check out some of the stuff that came out after it. I think this album is great, though. Uh, I think it's much better than um, uh, the Unholy Terror. But at the same time, when you, like I said, you listen to all these records in like a one week time, it you, you almost get some wasp fatigue. It's there's a very much a sameness to it. Uh, this album yeah. is darker and, and a little heavier as far as the, the the thematics, and it was supposedly dedicated to people who who died in, in 9/11 and, and stuff like that. But uh, uh still there's some great oh by the way hell to eternity if you want a great woo uh, that that one has yeah. been in there um uh th that 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 song is 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 killer that chorus is so fucking cringy um <laughs> my wicked heart i thought felt like it, it could almost fit on fucking electric circus uh this stuff like that um interesting kinda, uh, almost like that it, it reminded me of the song their cover of easy living is 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 where where i went with that but hmm. yeah i think uh overall this is a, an upgrade um but i think at this point it's clear to me that if i want to listen to these records going forward i kind of have to listen to them and then not check out any wasp for a while afterwards otherwise uh <laughs> there's a weight of like because yeah. You, you can follow patterns and, and, and you know, it seems like Blackie kind of has like this a system down on how he's going to write a song or do a record and all that stuff. And that can work as long as it's good. And I think a lot of this stuff is, but I think uh, when I'm listening to it and I'm like, didn't I already hear this? And I'm starting to hear callbacks <laughs> that uh, that can be a negative to the listening experience. So I think overall, I, right. I probably can't hammer through these records like I did back in the, like I did for prepping for this, but uh, <laughs> that'll be coming up again here. But yeah, no, this is a, this is a great record, man. I, I will, Stone I Cold will. Killer, by the way.
song on here. Nice. Yeah, that my pick is going to be. I'm going to go with. Uh, oh, did I step on you? If you want, I wasn't just wasn't up there. Uh, all good. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 throw mine in a second. I, I wanted to point out. Did you catch the reference to Chainsaw Charlie on the album? Nope. In the in the song Rubber Man, he says the Rubber Man is the son of Charlie. Okay. Yeah. I wrote so, down great riff for Rubber Man. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. I I, I like it. It's a it's a fun way to end the record. It's kind of silly, like I'm the Rubber yeah. Man raper or something like that. Doesn't he say like that? But it, it's a cool way to end the record. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, no, it's a killer tune. I don't know about the the lyric. I mean, uh, that that's asking me a little too much for uh, <laughs> for to <laughs> give me. But no, yeah, that was a really fun fun track. Like I said, that riff is just amazing. Uh, yeah, and Blackie's written some good, written some good riffs, but they typically don't stand out. They kind of fit the overall feel of the song, um, which is a compliment. It's always been funny to me that Blackie wanted to switch back from bass to guitar because he's not like he plays rhythm. He's not like a flashy guitar, guitar player. He's not like throwing in leads or anything. He's just playing the three chords that drive the song along. So it, it's always been kind of funny to me that he, he's like, I wanted to switch back to guitar because the bass is a, what do you call it? A uh, tube of ignorance. Is that what he called it? Or like a, <laughs> the, the, he, he had some kind of quote when he switched to guitar that it, like the bass is the tube of ignorance or something like that. And I was like, I wonder how Johnny Rod felt about that. <laughs> I think uh, maybe it was he was talking. Maybe he was talking about Johnny. I don't know. I I, I think uh, my gut feeling, uh, and this is obviously not anything serious, but uh, Blackie is such a humorless piece of shit. He probably heard drummer and bass player jokes and took them serious and thought like, oh well, you know, like what do you call uh, someone who hangs out with musicians? A bass player. Uh, <laughs> so he, he heard that and was like, well, I'm not gonna do that people will not think i'm a musician yeah, who knows <laughs> you know i could totally see that i i could i could totally see that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah great record not like it's kind of one of those middle of the road records it's not bad but it's not it's not the game changer in the catalog and i like it for what it is my pick is gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna i know it's cheesy i love hell for eternity i love the i love the woos i love the high notes That's my pick. Worst, worst track. Eh, 
I, 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 I don't know. There's nothing on here. This is the weird thing with this record. There's nothing on here I really hate. Same here. Like, like there's there's some stuff that I probably have forgotten about, but there's nothing I really I think tear down the walls. I gave my lowest rating. I still had it like in the B minus. Tear down the walls? Yeah. There's wait, am I on the wrong? Wait, hold on. I think that's the next record. Yeah, I skipped down a little bit. Wait, uh, no, I flipped my notes. That's what I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's later. Let me go back here. Uh yeah, I didn't have anything uh, rated poorly on this one at all. I mean, I I think you can pretty much put this on from beginning to end and, yeah. and feel comfortable with it. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, I'll just say Blackbone Torso because it had a good subject, but he didn't flesh it out enough. It's kind of forgot. It kind of just is an intro. So I'll go with Blackbone Torso. I like your comments on his uh, higher pitch falsetto stuff there. I, was, uh, that, I know what you're talking about, but that really didn't stand out to me the way it, it did to you. And I think that's a that's a pretty good insight. Yeah, it's it's I, I'm I, and I think it's because I'm a singer. I'm always listening like what's someone doing? What are their little tricks? And that's when a blackies he loves to roll into that high falsetto. Uh, not so much, <laughs> not so much anymore. That's not his. And then go stage. right into a woo. Yep, exactly. <laughs> the woo. No, that, 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 he did a lot more of that stuff early on. So the fact that he was doing it this late was kind of cool. And then when he's doing slow stuff, it's like breathy. Ah. Like, that's him. I think I think that's why he can only do like uh, ballads, which I prefer, by the way, or, that are kind of like somber or dark. You know, um, he's not going to write. Uh, There's got a picture of your house. He's, he's, he's not going to write that because he can't sing that. He's going to be like, well, it's going to sound like I'm, you know, an idiot that doesn't realize these lyrics are happy. <laughs> it would sound very depre- depressing. It would be, I had a picture of our house, but. Picture of yes. <laughs> That's lucky, I guess. Uh, it's I, I need to figure out how to do an impression of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You know, um, uh, over the weekend, uh, um, I have a uh, well. The bass player in my band is from my high school. Yeah. And it just turns out a friend of ours that we all graduated with, uh, who's a drummer, uh, lives in St. Paul, where I live, and we he just started messaging. You know, we the three of us should just get together and jam for fun. And so we, everybody got to pick a song, and my pick was "Fuck Like a Beast." <laughs> uh, so I'll be I'll be singing some Blackie as a. I, I'm looking forward to that. I, oh yeah, check, <laughs> people, check out Jesus Chrysler if you want to hear uh, Baco's voice. It's it's really good. I like your cover of "Rocking in a Free World." That, oh, yeah. that, that that's some good stuff, and, I, and I'm a big Neil fan, so that that was cool to see. Right on. Nice. So. Uh, no tour for that album, uh, but then the next project is something very, very ambitious for a band, for someone, you know, at that point in their career. I feel like in maybe in the early stage of his career, this would have gone over better. But uh, the next two records we're going to kind of talk about is one because they're very much tied together. And those are we're going to talk about Neon God Part One and Part Two. The first one released April 6, 2004. Second one released September 28, 2004.
the story, well, before we get into the story of the album and the concept, like what Blackie said is he wanted to release this as a double album and the record company said, that's not going to sell that, you know, that'll be too expensive. Uh, so we're going to release them separately. We're going to split them, split it down the middle and like release them as two separate records. So that's why there's two of them and they're not packaged together. It was supposed to be a single release, kind of like, I think it was, he was going for his quadrophenia essentially you could sure. say. Um, and, I, and I can tell you firsthand from someone who's actually uh, looked into it, released his own CDs out of his own pocket and what it actually costs. A record company could have fucking done this and sold it for $10 with two CDs. So fuck them. Yeah. They just, they just by this point, CDs are fucking dirt cheap. This is one of the things that are a music industry side note here. Uh, that kind of killed the, it definitely didn't help. Let's put it that way. I don't know. If there was one silver bullet that, that knocked everything out, but the fact that they never really dropped the price of the CD as their manufacturing costs dwindled to, especially, I mean, I don't know. I think our personal cost was just around $2 complete shrink wrapped and everything. And we only did 500. Um, so imagine your, your price break when you're getting into the thousands, you know, much less, you know, right. someone like, you know, bigger doing millions, but you know, Blackie Lawless and his, whatever, he could have sold 10,000 copies of this for 10 bucks a pop. Everybody would have made a lot of money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that often too. Cause I remember, you know, even though I wasn't into Watts at the time, I remember being a kid and going to FYE cause I was in, into music and I, I sometimes wonder if part of the reason I gravitated towards older music is I could pick out more of it because it was cheaper than getting a newer, like a newer, newer album. Because like all the new yeah, bands were like 20 bucks, like 20, like, or like over 20 bucks. It was ridiculous, but I could get like, you know, CCR and the cars and sticks, you know, for, for like, for like nine or 10 bucks or $5 sometimes. So like, I wonder yeah. if that, if that was a part of what made me this, you know, classic rock fan too. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, something I wonder about too, is one of those statements we talked about, you know, Blackie kind of making stuff up uh, to, you know, generate press in the last episode. And I wonder like, well, don't you make more money with people going out and buying two separate records, you know, kind of like GNR did with, you know, use your illusion one and two. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't doubt that a record label told them that though. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But GNR did theirs same day. You know what I mean? This was like, it was kind of weird. I remember I, I, I was hesitant to buy it um because i didn't know when this one came out and when the second one came out i wasn't sure if i wanted to buy both now and it just i don't know became this whole ordeal and you know you know living on a budget you're just trying to get by you know yeah it's a lot to commit to uh then in 2004 <laughs> especially well it is like I, I don't know how much you're like me i buy a lot of music so i think i think about stuff like that like do i want do I want to take the plunge on this one or do I want to go with something I know I'm probably going to like? It was definitely still a factor at that time. Um, I, I'm fortunate that now at this point in my life, it's, it's less of a concern to to just on a whim. You know, what? I'm going to spend $30 on one vinyl thing. I'm not sure I'm going to like. But back then, you know, I was living by myself. Uh, you know, was, the band wasn't making any fucking money. Um you know, just, just you know, making the rent and car payments was enough to like make you, you kind of second guess, like, I'm going to make sure any CD purchase I buy, I'm going to, you know, consider a little more than I would now, especially now with everything being used. Yes. <laughs> I, I buy, I buy a lot of CDs that I don't even get a chance to listen to twice. So anyway. Yeah, for sure. So Neon God part one and two, the rise and the demise. Uh, you, do you understand? Do you know what the story is, Baco? On, on this record yeah i mean uh, it's basically once again another fucking boy uh i don't 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 get the whole 
fascination why everybody's got to be a boy but yeah he uh what is it he can manipulate people i'm uh, i'm not sure if it's if it's like some mind manipulation or if it's just that like he's a con man playing like that that card game three card money um where, where he's just somebody who can kind of like or like a uh, who's the guy f- uh, from the turn of the century? Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> famous, uh, I'll get it. I'll throw it out there in a blurb. Blur, it's it's a, a famous guy. He could sell fucking anything. Uh, basically, you know, in the late 1900s, early 20th century. Uh, P.T. Barnum. There we go. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, uh, so it's something like that. But yeah, basically, you know, he he has his rise and then he has his demise. Uh, basically, the, the arc of any uh, successful con man. Yeah, you 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 you, you nail that for the most part. He he's a kid that had a rough upbringing, and he was in he was put in this like he was given up by his mother who was a drug addict, uh, and he was like you know tortured by these nuns in an orphanage, and he was in a mental asylum. But he kind of his whole journey is he's searching for like finding love, like that's you know finding some someone that cares about him, or finding something to care about him, and he becomes like you said that con man, that cult leader, leader because he can he's really good at reading. Okay, people. yeah. And uh, eventually he kind of becomes like, you know, this leader of a cult, basically. But it, a lot of people are kind of, you know, following this cult and stuff like that. And he ends up becoming disillusioned with it at the at the end of the record. And his followers turn on him and and crucify him on a neon cross on live TV. So that's kind of what happens there. Yeah, it's, Blackie, it's, it's, Blackie has a lot of that, um, like, out like. I got a feeling that Blackie didn't have a lot of friends growing up. <laughs> I do too. That was something I was going to bring, bring up. Like there's this whole running theme, both in the Crimson Idol and still not black enough in these records of where's, where's my love? Like, where's someone to care for me? And like, like, I, I guess I don't know much about his, his personal background with his family, but well, and, and the eighties metal scene was a lot of that. Like we're the underdog, but we're going to fucking show you. Uh, you think I'm nothing and I'm a loser, but look at me now. There's a lot of that. And, um, the weird thing is it seems like at, in his seventies now, he's still that same. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, some things never change. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be really interested to read his book. If, if it ever comes out, I would love, like, even if it is like Gene Simmons, which was very much, <laughs> it, it was Gene. I gotta believe it's going to be a little more, uh, revealing than, than Gene's book. Yeah. Gene's was pretty fucking pointless yeah yeah i got i fucked this famous person and (laughs) uh, that's pretty cool right uh yep and then it's like oh and here's the music from the elder a fascinating period for diehard fans well that was one paragraph now on to someone else famous that i had sex with (laughs) i'm gene simmons (laughs) that is exactly what that book is it is yeah vinnie vincent he was in the band next yep <laughs> mark said who <laughs> yeah no no real no real insight in that uh have you read all four of the, just a real quick one uh all four of the original member books yes yes i have uh, um, which one do you like the best it's just Pete, as a book honestly peters um it's up there i, I wanted to, i wanted to like aces more than i did but i i don't know like i i base it on whether or not i would reread the book again and I would not reread Ace's book again. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I like Paul's better than Peter, but Paul is to me. It's Paul and Peter's are, are the two best. Ace is actually pretty close to Gene. Instead yeah. of talking about all these famous people he fucks, he keeps talking about like 
girls always were really attracted to me and I have a huge penis and <laughs> I'm I'm not saying this to compensate for any actual you know self you know doubt and stuff you know it's just like get over it man you know what I mean it's like oh and she actually liked me it wasn't that I was rich you know he sounds like a guy leaving a tit bar like convinced the stripper was in love with him you know what I mean it's just uh, yep anyway yeah, I remember reading. I remember being very excited for Ace's book when I, when I was in high school. I remember very much looking forward to getting that. And when I got it, just being like, "Yeah, that's when I, that's when it came out." You're that's so when much I read younger it. than me. <laughs> <laughs> when I say shit like awesome. that, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, look, it's it is what it is. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, I'm not one of those guys that like you know like. Well, because I was born before you, I deserve something like uh, fans are fans. I, I love your passion, all that stuff. So, but yeah, it is just weird. It's like, man, when I was in high school, Ace Freely was like in Freely's comments. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I listened to Freely's comment, it was in the milk barn. I was feeding baby dairy calves and I, my dad had just, <laughs> I, he, I asked him to dig the cassette out of, out of like his like cassette storage. <laughs> And I remember uh, cranking it up while I was feeding the cows. That's that's how I first listened to that record. I don't know how long you've been listening to our show, but there is a, you just reminded me of a story about the miracle of birth barn at the state fair here in Minnesota <laughs> the miracle uh, that, that we talked barn. about on that. Yeah. It's like, it all it is, is like cows and sheep and, and like you go in there and somebody's going to, one of the animals are going to be having a baby at any given point. And I just, I remember like it's, it, you know, because craft beer is everywhere and now it's the state fair. <laughs> It's like there's these people watching a goat, you know, spit out a bunch of goats after birth. And they're like, they got like a flight of like the samplers like, mm, look at that goat. You know, this is just gross. You know, we'll pair really well with with this afterbirth birth some lager. I, I think the, the LC might have said it's something almost exactly like that. You know, this really goes good with this fucking umbilical cord coming out of a cow. <laughs> Oh, oh that's uh, that's hilarious! Yeah, yeah, so to, really is common. Yeah, and and to wrap up our little our our little side story. Yeah, I remember walking yeah, around with Ace Frehley's book in my backpack in high high school with the Trouble Walking CD and my CD player. I remember mm-hmm. that that was the thing I was doing for a period. So yeah, I I never I never I, I had an MP3 player, but I I always liked having the CD with me more. So yeah, yeah. So. uh Cool. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure quite how. Oh yeah, we were talking about books, and then that that led to. Okay, so I'm leaving. I'm leaving that. Bring it back, Alex. I'm leaving that off ramp in because that's great. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> story of this con man, kind of very reminiscent of the Crimson Idol, in music and in lyrics. There's a lot to take in with these two records. Um, I do think that the first record, sorry, the first record is better than the second one. I feel like all the meats on here. And then the second one is kind of kind of like my followers have turned on me. I'm questioning everything and I'm being nailed to a cross. And it goes by really quickly. Uh, the first one has a lot of meat. There's which a lot. Is, go- which is a relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the first one. Like first he's he's homeless and then he's in the orphanage and then the nun is molesting him. And then he's in the asylum and then his friend kills himself and then he's <laughs> on the streets again. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on in the, in the first record. Um these are not my favorite lost records they're probably the two i'm the least familiar with like part two was the other thing i had to buy to get ready to do this i found it on ebay finally and it wasn't like 200 bucks like this thing goes for high prices if you can find it get it um but uh there's some good stuff here 
Uh, I like Sister Sadie and the Black Habits quite a bit. I think that's a cool song. Asylum Number Nine, which is kind of like the doctor singing to him after he tries to kill himself. Uh, what I'll Never Find is a really cool ballad. And I like Come Back to Black on the second record a lot. But yeah, it's kind of, it's a lot to take in. I probably need to spend some more time with it. It's him trying to do Quadrophenia, but not bad, interesting. Uh, but I kind of feel like we've been here with the Crimson Idol already. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of different uh, insight as far as that. I think it's a pretty good synopsis as, as far as comparison. Crimson Idol is a better record than, than this uh, set. Um, it, the opening of the record reminded me a lot of like the way uh, Operation Mindcrime opened mind crime opens with that kind of uh, uh fairly lengthy instrumental but it's kind of upbeat more cordy than it is like about soloing and stuff like that uh and you know that what's that second song called it's only like 30 songs 30 uh, song. uh, I don't why am i here uh, why am i here or is it wishing well oh i might be wishing well no no uh wishing well's a uh, uh, let me just pull it up i don't know why i'm not using my fucking phone it's right here uh all right oh yeah the why am i here uh there is something very i know blackie's a big fan of the who but there i couldn't pin the song but uh it, it that that acoustic kind of strummy kind of thing it, it uh it reminded me very much of, of, a, of a who track and it's cool that it's only like 34 seconds and then it kicks into wishing well which i think is kick-ass uh what I'll Never Find has a really good vocal. You mentioned that one. Um, the production on these two things, this this is where things probably, I, I would be more, more critical. The, the guitars sound, um, are you, I don't know how familiar with, you know, I should probably, there's this thing called a pod. It's actually called the pod, P-O-D. And you dial up all these like preset guitar tones. You know what I mean? Like okay. I want a Fender tweed amp or something like that. And then you run it direct. And this is, sounds very much like it was recorded on something like that. Uh, like it, I don't, I don't hear a microphone in front of a guitar cabinet crank to eight you know, whatever yeah. level you're going to record at. Uh, the, the guitars are super thin on both of these records. The drums sound like complete shit. Uh, and I don't know. I, the, the story's boring. Um, I think I, th I think you can get get away with a good con uh, concept record without the greatest story in the world if the songs are stronger. Uh, I do agree with what you said, though. Uh, part two is pretty much just blissfully short uh i think nine songs in that 14 on the first one although a handful of the ones in the first one are like these little 30 second kind of things but uh if i had to I, as far as a record i like part one more over part two but as a package you kind of have to do it w w the way you're saying it like these do belong together so uh i don't know i just i i don't it's not like listening to the wall <laughs> and then i know that's a high standard but that's what you're doing with the concept record, right? I mean, you're trying to get people to want to hang in there till the end. And, and I wanted to get off the roller coaster, not stand. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I know, I know what you mean. You hit on two things I wanted to touch on. One was okay. that, that who sound there's a song and I wish I would have written it down because I forgot now, but I'm convinced he lifted the melody of see me, feel me for one of these songs because okay. it's, it's very similar. It's, it's on the second part I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but it sounds a lot like the see me, feel me. Part of the, the uh, we're not going to take it song from Tommy. Like okay. it, it, it's really close. Like he 
I'm I'm surprised Townsend didn't didn't want royalties for that. That's that's a shocker. They actually uh, uh one of the things that Blackie will try to embellish that isn't embellishing his relationship with Pete. Yeah. Uh Pete Pete actually did enjoy the, their cover of the Real Me. I've heard Pete on his on his own kind of comment on on some things with Blackie. Um, as as far as just kind of liking him as a person, so that's a nice little feather in his cap. Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad he was able to make that connection because I think Pete's probably an important person to him, like like a character in his development as an artist. So yeah, that's very sure. cool. And then the other thing you you mentioned with the production, yeah, I, I do agree. It's it's a little thin. It's it's definitely a little thin. And of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight, it's not the worst. But yeah, it's those drums, man. They're kind of and I, i'm actually just going to chalk it up to learning how to record digitally who knows i mean that's around that time when you have to make that switch and you're convinced you can do everything and you know you can learn it on your own you know um and that and again a lot of the stuff when i say stuff like that i'm just relating it to my own personal experience and and what i've gone through and when i hear stuff like that like how what was i doing that got that you know um it, because you know nobody's hiring me to produce their records for a reason alex so. <laughs> well i will i will say the jesus chrysler stuff i've heard sounds pretty good so you're doing something right all right thank you i appreciate that awesome uh yeah this was also pretty heavily promoted the tour for this album was really long uh it lasted a couple years and, really uh, yeah, it lasted a couple of years, and it actually featured it like the, South America and Europe. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, there was a lot of overseas dates, but he he did some U.S. ones. Like I was looking online, he played. He actually played a place in North Dakota on that tour, someplace in uh, Fargo called the fucking Playmakers Pavilion. I just found out yesterday that that's the only state without an interstate going through it in either direction. Yep, you are How correct. Did get there? Yeah. Hey, maybe I'll do like an episode with you, like I did with the Walligator. We'll just talk about North Dakota. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so down. Anytime. Mitch Any- Malloy is connected. <laughs> yep. Yes, he, yes, he is. Now he's connected to Great White. Uh, oh God. Yeah, that, yeah, that, I saw, I saw that on there, and I was like, oh, that makes me a little happy. And like, let me see if the set list is available. And he played a really good set list that night. So, I, really, credit, yeah, credit words. Yeah, he played. He, it was one of the last time. It was actually one of the last times he played "Fuck Like a Beast." Uh, he did what I'll never find. He did the headless children. He did the idol and he did kill your pretty face. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty good. And, and then the, those are, people, yeah, man, th- those would be just some standout tracks. I'm not sh- so much about the idol, but whatever. I know, it's kind of cool that he's doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that's a good, it's a good representation of the album in that like, here's a little summary of the story of the, the crimson idol. Yeah. Because valid point, if he's touring that record, you kind of got to have something like that. So yeah, so for sure, yeah. And uh, I feel like there's another song on here that kind of lifts from his past. I think Sister Satan, the Black Habits. That's kind of that's very Chainsaw Charlie. I think that like that riff. And the that's way the a good comparison because I don't really care for either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, my I'm gonna let's do picks from the first part and then Lisa all right. Gonna, Uh, My pick from the first part, I'm going to go with Asylum number nine. Welcome to 
I think that's a really catchy song. And I don't know. I kind of like, I can imagine a movie in my head when I see it, I can see the, see the character waking up and this kind of twisted doctor, like singing to him, like, you know, welcome to asylum number nine, nine type thing. And like, if you have the CDs in the booklet, it tells you like, who's singing to who it's like doctor to Jesse or like nurse to Jesse or like Jesse to his followers. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice little touch. Yeah. That's my pick. Um, I'm going to go with wishing. Well, uh, that to me, that was the one that I, w- I would go back to. favorite on this one i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with um someone to love me someone to love me because it i don't know that that theme bears repeating did we need another song like that yeah um me it's the neon dm one destiny's to come i, I thought that was- oh, oh that's on part two but yeah oh i thought we were com- combining them so uh, uh well- I don't have a favorite song in part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. This one, this one is hard. This one is hard. Um, I'll just say, come back to black. Neon Dion. Neon Dion's cool lyrically, but musically it doesn't do much for me. I, I guess the, the last redemption um, on part two, the one thing that, that you could almost like just skip the whole record and listen to that, that, that is long enough and it does a lot of like 
arcs it kind of gives you a snippet of almost everything on on the two records so yeah it's, uh, it's for, for crib notes version of the crimson Light, or uh, i'm sorry uh this, the neon god but absolutely and it, like the great misconception of me at the end of, of crimson idol it kind of does the same thing and it is also the longest wasp song in the catalog mm-hmm. at 13 minutes so yeah. <laughs> and it's a long 13 minutes <laughs> It is, yes, but like I said, it gives you a taste of everything. If if you want to condense it down to thirteen minutes, you know, you yeah, can, yeah, you can. I think you can listen to that and walk away. Go, this is what I think of this record. <laughs> I, I will also say one last thing to kind of bring it on home. Like the booklets have a really cool, like synopsis of the story, explaining everything out. Like there's pages that Blackie has written in these booklets of like explaining the story really well. And I kind of think, huh, I wonder if Blackie wrote a book, would it be, would it be really good? Because I thought he, his writing style was pretty cool for, for the story portion of it. So just a cool little note. Yeah, I, I do think the guy as an artist has something to offer. Obviously I'm here, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so. absolutely. For sure, yeah. The, so Neon God, I think my my final like take on it is, it uh, it's an interesting listen, it's fascinating. Uh, it's not representative of Wasp as a whole, but it's a, it's a fascinating listen and fascinating time in their catalog that they would commit that much to a concept at that stage in their career. In 2004, in 2004, this isn't 1988, this is 2004. So it's, right, right. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this, of all these records uh, that, uh, um, that I don't own that we've covered yet, this is the only one that uh, I didn't really feel like I needed to buy. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen because because of, of my personal nature, I'm going to get damn near every the, the last four or five of these records of, that I don't have, and then the only one I won't have are these two, and then they'll suddenly become something I have to have. Uh, that's happened with <laughs> like I'm a completionist. <laughs> it's like it just doesn't work with those two records missing. Um, also, you mentioned that they're worth money, so I'm definitely looking for them cheap. I'm gonna see yeah. if I can't just find some place that has them used. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I scored. I got lucky at Amoeba scoring part one, and then part two. Uh, I I think I paid like twenty bucks for it on eBay. <laughs> okay, which is the cheapest yeah. I've ever seen. Cheapest I've ever seen it. So, yeah. But, yeah interesting time in their career for sure and a cool tour i've been watching a lot of footage from as well that was the tour where blackie also started to experiment with the uh the bioluminescent face paint where he would turn (laughs) turn turn the lights off on the stage i know you're talking about yeah and like turn the black lights on he like had like a monster face thing going on and he would do it for two different songs he would either do it for he would either do my tortured eyes and do it or he would do do it for kill your pretty face. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you know when he found Jesus? Uh, because I, there is a lot of anti-religion themes throughout all their records. It seems like I I think he's on the cusp of finding finding God at the end of Neon God because he has another note in the record where he said he talks about you know questioning God God a lot, and he said but you kind of have to form your own opinions on God. Don't follow like a minister or anyone like that for religion. You have oh, to. Is, he's like, I, I'm spiritual, not religious. <laughs> yeah. That's basically how it comes across. I think the full, oh, I think God. the full blown being saved comes either with the next album or the album. after. Oh, so, so I'm correct there that he is uh, a born again Christian, right? Yep. I don't mean that as any shot. I'm just surprised at how heavy his lyrics still, they definitely don't come off. I thought it was earlier is all I'm getting at. Um, 
listening to some of the stuff. I'm like, well, he is. And then you, I actually in the back of my head until I saw the video you sent me of him fucking a nun. Um, let's just call it. He was raping a nun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, it had to be later than I'm thinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was, uh, that was, uh, 97. So yeah. Yeah. No. And these records, he's still not, you know I mean? It's not really pro, organized religion of any sort you know what i mean so yeah. anyway yeah and honestly that that's something <laughs> in a weird way i i, I gravitate tor- towards like i have my issues being raised in the church i fuck yeah. my head so so on honestly i take comfort in a lot of a lot of the, some of those lyrics i'm so. definitely drawn to, to that idea I, I find religion fascinating as as a topic there's a lot of stuff to get into yeah. um that that that, that uh, it really almost tells the story that we were still telling in, in life in general. I'm just not. It's just not for me. I've I've said it before. Not being not going to church is almost like my religion. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's nothing about it relates to me. Um, but at the same time, I'm not terribly judgy about people that find some comfort or or something positive to take home from it. Oh yeah. Um, I really only, I I draw the line when they they go from that to wanting to dictate other people uh based on their own beliefs and, and, and instead of just enjoying it for what it is and trying to be a a good representative of it, of it they're trying to like legislate or or use it as a reason to hate somebody that kind of stuff that that's where i i kind of draw the line so but i'm definitely like you i gravitate towards the darker you know side of of of, of the views on that stuff so anyway absolutely yeah do, do what you like whatever gets you through the day but you know don't try and tell me how to get through the day myself yeah I, and hail satan Hail Satan, indeed. I feel like I need to put a drop here of the little like Christmas critters from like South Park going, Hail Satan. Nice. I like that. Oh man, I might have to find that. That's <laughs> a great that. episode, man. So Blackie toured behind Neon God, part one and two, for a couple years. Takes a little time off. And then the next record, in my opinion, this one we're going to talk about in a second. This is one of his best. Uh, I'd say in the recent years, like of the later period Wasp albums, this is a highlight for me. Um, released April 16th, 2007, we got Dominator.
produced by Blackie Lawless again. Lineup is Blackie Lawless, uh, Doug Blair on guitar, Mike Duda on bass, and Mike Dupke on, Dupke on drums. This one, this is him. What, uh, what's the guitar player's name again? Uh, Doug Blair. Doug Blair. Okay. Not, yep. He's not still with him, or is he? He's still with him. Uh, Mike Dubkey is not. Okay. Uh, he's gone through a few drummers, actually. I think the current drummer is Brian Titchy, actually. Boy, are you sure? According to Wikipedia. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna. I don't think that's right. Uh, Tishy just rejoined uh, the Dead Daisies. Okay, Doesn't so mean he can't do two gigs at once. By the way, well, uh, it's very possible he's gonna be there. He's he's an amazing, uh, you know, kind of like one of those. I don't know, all around pros. You know what I mean? I should phrase it like this. So, Tishy played on the last couple tours. Oh, uh, fair enough. The the other guy that was there before him, whose name escapes me, uh, Achilles. I think is his name, like Achilles something. Um, he was absent and there was no statement as to why he was absent. Achilles, Achilles heel? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it starts with a P or something, yeah. <laughs> no, if you listen to the Eddie Trunk interview, Eddie, uh, Blackie uh, breaks it all down. He does it very Gene Simmons-like, you know, and yeah. like, actually, Tommy Thayer's been in the band longer than Ace really ever was. So he, <laughs> he does it like that, you know. I mean, uh, it yeah. explains who the band is, but you can find out everybody there. I just remember him saying Brian Titchy because that's one of those, it's just a name I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Usually yeah, it's so like maybe, some guy. So maybe Titchy was just filling in, which is, which is possible. And you yeah. know what? Uh, that would uh, be an upgrade. It would at least pique my interest if he's playing with him on this tour. I would, uh, I think, I really enjoy that guy's work. Yeah, he, he's, he's a great drummer. I love him on uh, Chinese Democracy. <laughs> what? I love Chinese Democracy. He plays drums on that album. It's... No, he doesn't. That's uh, Brain. Oh, Brain. That's, that's, really... that's it. Okay, my bad. Brian Titchy has been the guy who's like been with White Snake. Uh, okay. A lot of 80s bands. Uh, I, there aren't many session drummers that I actually give a shit about. He's, he's one of them. Yeah, he's I think good. he would... He's in Mitch Valois Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something I still don't understand the story there, the Mitch Malloy Van Halen thing. But I'll watch the documentary. It's only nine minutes long because it's a... longer than he was in the band. <laughs> All right. I'll have to check that, that out. I'm guessing it's on YouTube. It is, yes. Okay, uh, so perfect. Aren't, aren't you that guy from Van Halen? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. No, you don't. Anyway, <laughs> I will Back say it's, it's funny that that came up because my parents saw Great White with Mitch Malloy, uh, 2020, and in North Dakota, yeah, yeah, that, that infamous show in Dickinson that made the news. Yeah. Uh, yep, they, where the, the fake media made it look like nobody was wearing masks, but you know, yeah, there's a crowd shot, idiot. You realize, whatever, yeah, no matter um, what you feel, what you think. It wasn't the media misreporting it. You can disagree with the with the policy, all that kind of stuff. That's different. But to flat out like, yeah, the fake news. Well, I guess I know whatever. Yeah. But yeah, my mom's comment after that show was, I don't like the new singer. He's too much like David Lee Roth. So that's kind of funny. How old are you? I am 28. Okay, I was just like, so you're, you're just a couple years younger than my, my, my stepson and a couple years older than my stepdaughter. Now, I, that just blows my mind all of a sudden. I just realized, like, I'm like, I'm like thinking of my parents going to see Great White and, and having an opinion on the singer. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait a second. 
I'm your fucking parents. I would have been at that fucking Great White Show in North <laughs> yeah. Dakota. So, so yeah, all right. That 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 puts things in context a little bit, and that uh, makes me a little sad. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'm I'm the person that when my parents go to a show, I'm like, how was it? Like, how was Rat tonight, or how was Firehouse tonight, or, or what? What? My dad's going to see Winger in a couple of weeks, and I, I'm kind of jealous because I've never seen Winger. So. Mm. Yeah, uh, Dominator. <laughs> uh, that, that was another fun off ramp. I'm keeping in here. Dominator. This is, okay. a, yeah, this is a. So, and then Liner Knows Blackie says it's supposed to be about uh, his thoughts on America's foreign policy. Um, and I kind of hear that in some of these, you know, I'll Make You Cry for Mercy, uh, stuff like that. Heaven Sung in Black. I know that's a song about soldiers in war and like death and stuff like that. But and I, just to interject, he's just given the America what it's been asking for a long time. Blackie Lawless's thoughts on America's foreign policy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like very bold of you. Very like, you know, we've waited Thank for this you, long Blackie. time. Yes. We, we waited too long. Yeah. <laughs> Even with that like l- level of hubris, though, these songs are fantastically written. Like Take Me Up Inside. Like it's kind of like a part ballad, part rocker. I love that that song. I love his vocal delivery. It's so cool. Heaven Tongue in Black. Like I said, it's a kind of an epic ballad. And then Mercy, that's a great opener. Uh, Burning Man, Teacher, Deal with the Devil. This record just smokes top to bottom. I play this one a lot. Like this is a, I think this is a great later period record and brews. There's still a lot of gas in the tank. What do you think of this one? This is one that uh, I, I staged in my Amazon basket to, to think about a little bit. Mm. Uh, I like the record. It, it is really good. Um, much better production than uh, coming off the neon God there. Uh, Mike Dupke, man, upgrade for Stet Holland. Sorry, Stet. Uh, or was he on neon God? It was Stet and Frankie. Frankie was mostly on part okay. one and Stet was on all of part two. Okay. Um, but no, I think the drums are much better on this record than, than the last one. It might just be the production to it. Overall, it's, it's much, I don't know. It sounds, it doesn't sound as, I don't know, thin, I guess is the word I keep going back to, but yeah, mercy again, another great, a fucking opener. Mercy is a killer track. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of stuff on here. I, I think it's kind of front heavy though. And I'm, that's going to be kind of these last few records. I feel like one through five really give you the, the, the money and in the back end isn't quite as it's not bad, but it's just, it, 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 you start to drift away. And that could be what I was talking about. Like, maybe don't listen to these records too close to each other because <laughs> you're going to get uh, there, there's a sameness that that kind of hits there but uh i don't know uh i take me up was a cool song you mentioned burning man that was probably i mean that 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 song is just fucking amazing insane Inc- incredible yeah and listeners d- we did this so you don't have to by the way we we listened to all of it in a week so you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, but well, you got back to back heaven songs too. Yeah, uh, 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 the first one has no woo, the second one has a woo, so uh, <laughs> that, that goes from a D to a B plus on the Baco scale. So <laughs> that's funny. Teacher yeah. was cool too. Teacher is very cool. Yeah, this this is a fun, re- fun record for sure. Like, I, I would put, I would say, like, I'd go as far as to say this is the best thing since since kill fuck die like this is a i think great- this is what they were trying to accomplish with hell dorado this is kind of that classic wasp thing where you know it isn't just too 
I like when Blackie gets deep on his themes, and I know he you, you mentioned it, but this record doesn't seem to feel that way when you listen to it. Like, I don't really, you, you like you pointed it out, but I think you have to have it pointed out to really feel like you don't listen to this and go, man, America's foreign policy is fucked. You, know? yeah, I mean, exactly. you don't really think about it, you know. Um, so I think, you know what? And to me, that's to its credit. When you can do that, when you can have this very intentful kind of direction, but people don't necessarily get that when they listen to it for themselves there's something you know that that's the i don't know the fun part of music you know where you can kind of pull your own thing out of it yep he, he made it he made it more palatable he made a subject that ultimately in, in reality is very boring more palatable so kudos to that for sure uh no yeah this this one is just this one just slays i love this record i think this is the start of uh his faith creeping more into things i know this is the first tour where they didn't play animal fuck like a beast like the Again, I, in my head that was much longer before this but yeah okay yeah that was yeah last time was in 2004 uh this was 07 so yeah yeah this is this is a great record i i love it can't say enough good things about it um the only thing i will say is i feel like there's one production issue and i'm not even sure what to say how to explain it because i'm not as good with production as you are but I swear, as much as I love Take Me Up, when that chorus hits, I feel like everything is vying for space in my speakers and trying to get out at mm. once. And it's a, it's a little brick wally, just a little bit. It's a good song. It's one of their best. A good way to explain it. Yeah, yeah it's a little, it's a little, uh, the mix is hot for sure. Yeah. Smarter people than me will tell you that's all about EQ. But yep. your pick from this one? Oh, if I had to pick one, boy, it's either Mercy or Burning Man. Do you know what you were going to pick? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing Take Me Up. I'm doing Take Me Up. That All right, so I'm going to cool. go with Burning Man then. Yeah, Burning Man to me was the, 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 the my favorite tune on here.
my worst one is going to be heaven. Uh, the hold on, yeah, my phone just <laughs> the screen goes black. Just I'm looking at it. my 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 worst pick is going to be heaven's hung in black. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to go with heaven's blessed as my least favorite. <laughs> we have polar opposite views in because to me the heaven's blessed was a good song. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, whatever. That's good. Even Heaven's Blessed, though, not a bad song. This is not like El Dorado level. Ugh. No, that's a good song. Very good still. But just the week, the probably the one I know the least. So, yeah. The good further record. we get into this, it seems like you really, really don't like El Dorado. <laughs> I, I, I have largely positive views of this. <laughs> B minus, C plus. There was so much potential in that album. Those riffs are so good. And those melodies are so strong. It's what could have been. It's what could have been. Not like, enough. Woo! It, it, needs, it needs more woo. It needs Frankie Benelli to come in and just play fucking those roles left and right. But, uh. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> this was also one of the last U.S. tours for a while. Like there was a there was an actually actually a U.S. Dominator tour that went out and played. Um, mm. So yeah, we're we're getting near the near where Wasp kind of becomes like full on European full time band, uh, but the record was pretty well received. And then two years later, on October twelfth, two thousand nine, we get Babylon. same lineup uh i remember seeing this in walmart when i was growing up uh but it was like so expensive i like my parents would get for me and then uh when i came when, when i after i like i remember like i got a cattle check or something i was gonna get a new cd and i went to get it at walmart and it wasn't there anymore so <laughs> again missed out on wasp but uh yeah i got this one years later and pretty solid follow-up to dominator i don't know that i like it quite as much as dominator but this is a pretty solid record i like crazy that's a good opener uh babylon's burning is an absolutely like galloping song uh there's a great cover of deep purple's burn on here that i really like Burn with a wave of a hand 
godless run that's full-on blackie addressing his faith faith right there it's so cool um yeah this this record you know i think builds on the themes of the last one only this one's more like i see where we're going and i feel like we're headed towards the apocalypse and here's why and this is why blackie thinks we're on the road to babylon that's sure kind of yeah the, the lyrical theme of it what do you think the the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse right yeah. um i like the record better despite not liking the I don't know the lyrical aspect of it as much, but uh, I don't have big hangups over that. You know what I mean? You can sing about whatever the hell you want and I can enjoy a song. Um, uh, it rarely is, is bad enough to where it, it, it kills a song if it's good. Uh, I, I actually can't think of a single example, but no, I like it better than the last record, which I liked. I think this is an upgrade. Um, you mentioned crazy, another fucking just killer opener. I mean, he just knows how to write that first song. Um, and he's gone different directions. It isn't always that balls out kind of just upbeat thing, which is, you know, kind of a classic hard rock staple. He's done it with, you know, um, Wild Child is kind of a slower, um, uh, you know, intro kind of way to get into this, stuff like that. But yeah, uh, more of an epic kind of thing. But uh, Live to Die is cool. I do not agree. I, you know, here's the weird thing is that like I until I heard their cover of Burn, I didn't I hear uh, uh, Hellion. In that chorus, so I think he might have lifted that a little bit from that that chorus to burn. I, I swear to God, I've heard that song. I don't even know where I've, I'm. I'm not a big fan of the Deep Purple stuff without Ian Gillen. I don't know exactly where I've heard burn, but I've definitely heard it. Uh, when when uh, that song came up on here, I'm like, oh wait, wait, what the fuck is this? And then you know, so I looked into it and saw that. But to me, uh, I'm I'm a noted cover snob, and this is not a this is not top notch. Uh, I I didn't enjoy it as much as you. Thunder Red I thought was cool, uh, but Promised Land also a cover, uh, uh, a Chuck Berry song. Yep, and that was a really fun rendition of that, and a way great way to close the record. Uh, this is another one sitting in the Amazon basket. Um, I'm probably on all this stuff. I'm just gonna wait to find the most on CD, but. Uh, uh who knows uh i do enough record and cd shopping that i might i might stumble across the stuff a lot of times i just do that to not forget right <laughs> yeah i like this record a lot man um uh the, the last two uh i think he's knocked it out of the park uh, again we're basically talking about blackie at this point but um i don't know great, yeah. great album yeah very solid i like i said i think damage maybe one step above it but yeah it's a really good record um I will say, I think I know where you heard Burn before. I'm going to guess. Uh, you're a White Snake fan? Not really. <laughs> no? Okay. I was going to say, if you've heard the Purple Album, that's the first song on the Purple Album. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I got, I got, a, I got a, uh, a review copy of that, and I don't think I ever listened to it. Uh, um, no, it's like, I've heard it, like, I, 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 in, in my head, it's like, it's either on, like, some radio show I listen to, like, as an intro, or a podcast I'm a fan of, I just can't put it together. Uh, it doesn't matter. All I know is that when that riff came on, I was like, okay, this is reminiscent. What the fuck? At first, I'm like, like someone's using Wasp <laughs> in, in, in one of those <laughs> scenarios I'm thinking of. But uh, yeah, so anyway, that's a solid guess, though. Uh, I've, I've definitely had the opportunity to listen to that. But no, uh, David Coverdale, great singer. Um, White Snake, just not my jam. I don't know. Um, I've been listening. I've been revisiting them a lot lately. They were someone I was kind of uh, fringe into growing up, and now I've got a few of their records, and I'm like, okay, this this is pretty cool. Like, like slide it in a great record, and then the '87 <laughs> one's pretty solid. 
I only listen to it when I'm uh, hanging out with Josh Toomey's dad waxing his car, uh, his uh, Camaro or whatever, T-Bird. Or... <laughs> Black Cat Moans. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I agree with you. Great record. Um, what's your pick? Oh, if I have to pick one, let me see. I'm going to go with Crazy. I just think it's smashed out of the park right away. <laughs> so good that when you hear it you get kind of towards the end and then you kind of hit you know the back button uh and i'm gonna hear that one more time so yeah and i'm gonna go with babylon's burning i think that's such a cool like faster paced wasp wasp song especially this late in their career cool video i remember seeing yeah that was the video i was gonna say but 
you know what? It's it's an okay song. I, I'm like, I was surprised that was the pick, but uh, honestly, yeah. Live to Die, Live to Die is, is killer too. Maybe I want to pick, you know, I'm sticking with, I'm sticking with uh, Crazy. All right, cool. And uh, I think my least favorite, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Seas of Fire. Um. Okay, for me, just pulling up the track listing here. I'm gonna go with burn. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I I I I can, I can agree with you there. Going with a cover, like Blackie, someone where <laughs> Blackie doesn't need to do covers. Like he's such a good. Well, maybe guy. he does. He's only got <laughs> enough to juice to write seven songs. He's like, I need two more. No, I I read on Wikipedia that burn was supposedly going to be on uh, uh, Babel, uh, the previous record, right? Yep, it was supposed to be on the previous record. He also recorded a cover of a uh, fortunate son. By CCR around this time, but he's never released it. I'd love to hear that. I think that would be interesting. Huh. Man, I, that's a song that I don't know that need people need to cover. And then I heard the clutch cover of it, and I was like, "Fuck, okay." So who knows? I like the Dead Daisies version. I think that one's really good. Yeah, I don't know. It was <laughs> uh, my 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 co-host enjoyed it more than I did too. So you're not alone. So. Yeah, yeah. I, Dead Daisies is a band I need to check out more. They're they're they're, they're Pretty solid from what I've heard. I've got their last album. I just haven't spotted it. So, yeah, they're all right. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's kind of weird because it's just like a, a rich guy who hires people to live out his rock and roll fantasy. And if I had that kind of money, maybe I'd do the same thing too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he puts good people around him. So exactly. But this was the uh, I want. I don't want to say there was a full out uh, like Babylon U.S. tour because I didn't. I couldn't find one when I was looking. But there were some U.S. dates for Babylon. There were a handful in the Midwest, like places like Illinois and Ohio, and there's a San Diego show, but he did not play much in the U.S. And then after that, he would play one U.S. show in 2013 at M3 Festival. But that was kind of the end of his U.S. touring until this year. So that that was uh, when Blackie kind of became, you know, playing playing Europe was probably, you know, better for him like he made more money sure. playing for more yeah. people i kind of can't blame him but i'm happy that this tour is doing so well and dates are selling out like i'm happy that he's coming back because not only because i get to see him but like i'm sure you know when you start here like there's probably got to be some semblance of like you think you're gonna you know make it in the u.s but then to be bigger over there maybe that's a little frustrating so yeah well you know i mean it's 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 really just about money you know what i mean and, yeah. and i don't mean that in a shitty way uh, but you know, it's like, you, you can't just do it because like, you're not going to go out at, at his age, especially and go, yeah. well, I could, I could do 40 dates in Europe and, and live a comfortable life. Or I could just do these nothing paying gigs. And it probably helped too, that, that Wasp hasn't been around for a while. Cause now that there's more of a, you know, there's, there's a little bit of hype behind this thing, man. Yep. For sure, yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, Warrant is just doing another fucking summer tour, going from casino to festival to casino to yep. festival, and probably doing fine too. You know, what I mean, I'm, I'm, they're a bigger band; they have more record sales and stuff of that nature. But you know, is anybody really excited to see the whole Skid Row Warrants? You know, I know you'd like to see Winger, but what's that? Yeah. The whole uh, these are the same bands around every every time. You go out and have a good time, but you're not going to go. Uh, like I'm bummed. I have to travel to see Wasp. I could give a fuck if Warrant comes to my town or not because I I will see them next time. I mean, right? Firehouse literally plays 93 shows in Minnesota a year. I don't know if you knew that. Wow. That <laughs> <laughs> they play North Dakota a lot too. They play they play a, a casino not far from where I grew up uh, quite frequently. So yeah, 
Uh, One of the guitar players, uh, the rhythm guitar player from Warren, had a very honest assessment, like um, something that I think Tommy Lee might struggle with, but like the the heartland of America, (laughs) basically the Midwest, from like, you know, Minnesota to Texas, and then spread that out to about Colorado and Indiana. That is where Warren makes their money. He's like, it's like, you know, even in their heyday, he said, like, you know, we even play like Miami, New York City, L.A., I mean, they would do okay, but like it wasn't like those areas. And he says, and those are still the same areas that, that we draw, do the best at. And so that kind of music, I think, is just kind of like that, that middle circle of America. So, yeah. And I will say, part of my excitement is I've not seen most of these bands. I, I need, I'm still checking these off my, my, my valid list, point, so. man. Hey, you, so. you can fly up in September, go to Grand Rock Timber with me and the wife. Two days, you'll, you'll check off fun. 11 of these guys. So. That's, that sounds like fun. My year is going to be there. Uh, <laughs> Ron Keel band, ooh. Tony Harnell, uh, performance solo, uh, which, God, that's going to be weird. Uh, I think Stephen Piercy, uh, fuck, ooh. yeah. Look you, I may have to seriously consider this. I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be in North Dakota in September. So I might have to find a way to make this happen. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, shout out to Ron, Ron Keel. Um, didn't, know much about him before rock and pod last year totally made a fan by his acoustic performance he was fantastic oh he's seen he's a real deal too a uh, great guy so yeah yeah so yeah i'd love to see him live uh but yeah that was uh the babylon was kind of the end of an era for loss that was things changed and uh also that was the last tour with the giant mic stand uh that was the last time that that was taken out on the road uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that until you told me last time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now now it's just a standard mic stand, like no no skeleton bones or dude with like blood leaking out of his face that he had for a while. Did, yeah. did you like the mic stand? I thought it was cool because I liked that he would ride it. I liked that it that it was like you know it's just I don't know it's different. I like theatrical stuff, so I in that aspect I thought it was cool, but. It does get to a point, like, really, it's so high, you can't fit in the club. Blackie, you, you sure this is uh, getting a little excessive? <laughs> but it was the whole show, too. It'd be like if yeah. Kiss came out, stood on the risers, went up, and then just performed the entire show up there. It'd be kind of, that, that's how it felt. It was just like, well, this is kind of cool, but at a certain point, can you come down and interact and, and play with the, the audience? You're kind of harnessed into this fucking thing for, you know, an hour. It's just silly. But, well, it's yeah. hard to see him when he's blocked by the lighting rig that he's now sitting <laughs> up in. Right. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, I, I imagine that's pretty frustrating. Didn't you say, like, you were supposed to see him and then the show got canceled because yeah, they couldn't yeah. put the fucking mic stand in there? Well, the stage he would have played on, you know, was about, oh, it's about knee high. So it's not a, oh. and, and it's a, it's a club that, like, well, let's see. I'm about six feet tall. I can jump up and touch the ceiling when I'm on the stage. So, uh, yeah, it just, there was no fucking way he was fitting it in there. So, yeah. 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 That would be. Nuts. Not sure that's the reason to cancel a fucking show. But, yeah. That, uh, yeah that, that kind of rubs me the wrong, wrong way. Like just you use a regular bike stand for, for a night. Like you're Blackie Lawless. You can entertain without the giant skeleton. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. You would hope so. I would, I, I would think so. Uh, yeah. End of an era for sure. Uh, so we got a big gap between this record and the next one. There were some anniversaries. There was a Headless Children anniversary tour, and then there was a Crimson Idol anniversary tour where he played the whole record, and he broke his leg. 
So it took a lot of time to get to the next record. Uh, but this is the first one I remember actively anticipating the release of. And it came in the mail on release day when I was living in Hollywood. I remember that really well. Living in my tiny Hollywood apartment. And <laughs> like, like I, I, it was, I was spending a lot of my very meager paycheck at that point to get this CD. Like it was like, oh, that, that's going to hurt. But I had to have it, man. Uh, released October 9th, 2015. Golgotha. up as the last one final album with mike dupke um producers blackie this to me is his most overtly direct uh, address of his faith on this album you got songs like the title track and eyes of my maker and uh slaves to the new world order which is a little conspiracy but it's still a good song musically um i like this record a lot and it might have just been because uh like i said the time i was freshly out of college and a new job and uh, like just excited to get some new, new music from this band I really enjoyed. And yeah, it's so cool. I remember when the first single came out, Last Runaway. I remember when the YouTube video went up for that and just playing that over and over and over again. So yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of this album, like riding the bus from Hollywood to Santa Monica, listening to it, along with like the live Cinderella record and like John Mellencamp. Like, yeah, a lot of memories with this record. So what do you think? I think it's a great record. Uh, it is also the last Wasp record I've purchased until uh, getting into this uh, delving. I bought the MP3 of the album, though. Um, I do like it. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's very frontal with his faith and stuff like that, but it's not really a Christian rock record by any means. Um, yeah. It's just it's done in very much in, in a blacky lawless way, which at this point you can almost just expect everything. Uh, yeah, I... Um, the last runaway is, is is a killer tune on here. Uh, Shotgun I liked a lot, and Miss You before they ended up throwing it on to that uh, kind of uh, repackaged uh, idol. I do like that song quite a bit. I, I think it's it's one of those darker ballads I was talking about just a little bit ago. 
that, that I think Blackie does a good job at. I mean, I, I think like it's not all um, sleeping in the fire or, uh, you know, there's I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just blanking on, on a couple of the other ones. Forever Free. Forever Free is, is probably oh, I guess one of my favorites uh, as far That's as great Blackie's song. ballads. Uh, what what cries in the night was the one that I was trying to go oh, oh, okay. there for a second. I think that's a great tune. Um, and this is kind of up there. I think Miss You might be a little more epic and uh, a, a better actual representation of of kind of a higher level songwriting than some of those other ones. But I, I this overall this record I, I thought delivered very well. I remember some people kind of having some issue with it. I just don't remember specific, specifically what it was. Maybe it was the hmm. the the religious stuff. But uh, when I, I I haven't listened to the record in a couple of years and, uh, until a couple nights ago, and I was like, God, I forgot how good this fucking record is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's too bad that you know, like we talk about, like some of these, like look at a band like Skid Row who to me is a different band altogether. But they literally have two records. And they're, you know, not forgot of at all. And maybe a better example is Warrant, you know. Um, but like Wasp is just kind of an afterthought to a certain point, And they were really instrumental in that scene. Dokken would be a better comparison. How about that? Because they were peers at the same time. Yeah. Uh, 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 and just the idea that like Blackie has really cranked out a very consistent catalog as, as far as, I mean, I, I really think the only bad records, the only records on this list that would fit in our match badness tournament would be the neon God. I, I think that, as much as I might like one record better than another one, I don't think there's really any bad albums. Uh, it really gets more down to taste. Uh, again, don't listen to them all in a short period of time because you probably yeah. will start <laughs> thinking you, you, you feel like you're listening to ACDC. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same reaction you did revisiting this thing. Like I probably hadn't listened to it since like, I, I, I don't know, probably not long after like I'd started that job, like 2015, 2016. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it, it held up great. Uh, I remember being, I thought the reception was really positive at the time, but I, I could be wrong. I could totally be wrong. Yeah. It, it might've been, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I remember a couple of people being negative on, I was writing for decibel geek at the time too. That's why I'm thinking mm. about that, but. Yeah, I, I remember listen, hearing it talked about on De- on Decibel Geek at the time on the podcast. I've, I maybe it was Aaron. I'm not. I can't remember if it was Aaron or Chris, but there were someone was very positive about the record at the yeah. time. I remember so. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I, I I never got any of the negative stuff, but I'm sure the religious overtones are a turn off for some people. It doesn't bother me. Um, also, because it's not preachy. It's not preachy, and it feels sincere. Like a song like Golgotha. Like, I feel like that's really, you know, Blackie put a lot of his heart into that song. It feels very yeah. real. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no Gene Simmons bullshit there. That is Blackie to the core. Like, that's really it It's a very honest song. So, yeah. Great you know, record. and I thought of something, too. Uh, uh, if this ends up being the last Wasp album, think about this. That means my first Wasp purchase was the first record when it came out. And yours was this one when it came out, correct? Did I or did it, I it was something? It was my first one as a new release. My first purchase right. was, was yes, that, that, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, so our, our first new releases were uh, basically bookending. So we're, we're there's a generate generational aspect to this podcast that I don't think you're you're selling enough here, Alex. That's true. <laughs> I, I never thought about about that, and I I hope it's not the last record, just because I'd love one more from him. I feel like he's he's got a lot to say still. Um, I'm with you, but he is like he, 
did God, we did we ever Wikipedia his age? He's got to be in his seventies, right? You know, you know what? I'm gonna do it now, and if I have to cut out some dead air, so be it. Sixty five. He's sixty five. Oh, younger than I thought. Then. Yeah, same. I thought for sure he'd be he'd be a little older because, um, again, I don't like to like be mean and let, and like demean the way people look because age does things to people. But man, he does not look sixty five. Oh. Look, we're all dealing with with the reality of time. You know what I mean? At at our own pace. Uh, So it's it's, yeah. You're right. Sometimes it may seem mean, but uh, whatever. Uh, I know. I I, I don't know. I was teased a lot, so maybe I'm just too nice. Who knows? Uh, That could that could be part of. You are too nice. You need to you need to be a bigger dick. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Probably. I I I might get more guests then. He's, yeah. he's spry. He, he's he's spry-ish. He's he's not he's not Aussie. He's not Aussie at this point, which is yeah spry. to his benefit. Yeah, to his benefit. Thankfully, yeah, um, he, he's in control of his faculties, unlike Aussie. Man, I can't imagine being in my sixties dyeing my hair black. I wonder if it's natural. I wonder if well, I guess no, <laughs> no chance. No, it's too. It's too. Now that I think about it, like I'm looking at the foot Wikipedia. I'm like, no, wait, that's too dark. That's not real. I, I don't think his hair is that color normally. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> you know, good on him, though. I don't give a shit. Fuck yeah. it, dye your hair. He pulls it off. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Great record. Um, I hope this isn't the final one. I think there's got to be at least one more in the tank. I'm hoping also he said that there'll be like there's going to be some kind of Wasp 40 release in the Eddie Trunk interview and there'll be new songs on it and there'll be old songs. And I'd rather just get a new record personally because i have all the rec i have all these records i don't really need a grace hits collection i just want the new stuff yeah um, so we'll see what happens but i think for- we're streaming that it you know is as much as it doesn't pay that is a really quick cash grab that you can kind of put out there you and i are kind of looking at like buying a physical product but he's probably as a business person looking at like let me just put out another fucking new thing that, that at least you know generate some new streams of the old material um i do think if there is another record in the works so it's going to be one of these like collections of songs he's recorded over a period of time not so much sitting down writing a record and i think that that's my guess uh which i don't like because i think he has consistently turned out records you know from gagaltha all the way back to the first record like this was i wrote this at this time so yep on the first record he was fucking like a beast on this record he's (laughs) He literally says, "Jesus, I need you now." So yeah. we, we, we've 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 ended at an interesting point for sure. <laughs> Sorry about that, God. We're good. <laughs> we good. We we cool now. Uh, I'm, I'm at least cool enough that I might play that song again. <laughs> I really hope he does. <laughs> um, I think he's gonna. Yeah, he made he definitely made it sound like he's leaning that. Well, he flat out said, "I'm leaning that direction." Yeah. Uh, and I thought he, he phrased it in a way that he's like, you know. I don't know what point he was trying to make to begin with, but if you are uncomfortable, like I, I would, I would be uncomfortable being Gene Simmons singing Christine 16 at his yeah. age. I'm uncomfortable singing it at my age. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I don't, I don't judge a person for like saying, well, this was me then. And it's, it's hard for me to do that now. Uh, but he seems to have at least come to terms with the idea, like the song is out there. People want to fucking hear it. It's just a song. So fuck it. I'm going to yeah. go out and I'm going to balls it up. So hopefully they, I'm, I'm with you. I, that would be disappointing if I didn't hear that. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping he do- he pulls it out. Mara thinks. Oh, no, uh, how about this? You said the, the, the they didn't play it for uh, until the last time was like whatever 2004, 2004 yeah. Or something. Um, what was the first time? Because they didn't do it on that first tour. I mean, they probably didn't really whip that in until. God, I mean, did they do it in the eighties at all? They did in the eighties. Yeah, there's there's footage of them on that first tour opening for Maiden in Irvine, where they play the song. So. Okay. Yeah, they definitely they definitely played in the eighties, and they it, it was it was absent from a lot of the second tour, which I found odd, and then popped back up on, on Inside the Electric Circus and stayed on Headless Children, and then it was gone again until Kill, Kill Fuck Die, and it stayed in until huh. the end of the Neon God tour. All right. So, it's it's had its ins and outs for sure. I, I think I think it's interesting mixing it in with all that headless children songs when i think about that set list because you're mixing it in with like thunderhead and neutron bomber and and the the heretic and stuff like that and then you've got fuck like a beast so you know at that time too you are it's it's a different kind of touring thing like you're going out when you in the at that time it's like you're just playing the songs yeah where i think now you almost you know visualize it thematically a little bit especially for a band like wasp right yeah, I, I'm always. Th- I, I like to do fake set lists. It's another type of podcast thing I do. Maybe some. <laughs> maybe someday we'll do one for Wasp in the in the okay. future after we, after we've had a break from this music for a while. But uh, yeah, I, I I think thematically he'll find a way to like work it into the show with the uh, with the earlier material. Because I don't know, I, my, if I, if I were him, like I would do it chronologically. I'd start like at the first record and work my way up to Golgotha, and then end with a few hits that I, that he didn't play at the beginning of the set. <laughs> that's just me, uh, man. Off the top of my head, I would, uh, boy, I wouldn't do what you, you're saying. I would definitely open with uh, "I Want to Be Somebody," and I would close with uh, either "Mean Man" or "Rebel in the FDG." One of those two. Those nice. are just killer songs to end with and then i would just i'm not a terribly judgy guy when it comes to set list but if i could if i really wanted to put one together uh wasp would be an easy one i could put together a two two and a half hour show uh For sure. this is what i want to hear um but you know old man maybe you only want to do 90 minutes i don't know uh, we'll see for sure yeah i, I will say i keep and by the way the, those tour dates have you looked that is a fucking diehard old school tour man yeah that is there a, are like no more than one or two days off he just he does like 40 dates and 50 days or something like that yep unreal i can't believe he's doing that at his age first of all for one um get that thursday friday saturday money you know what i mean exactly like do, do the weekend warrior show the quiet riot does yeah yeah just uh, but whatever like you said it seems to be uh selling pretty well there's a handful of sellouts already so uh yeah good for him Yep. And before we do our favorites, I just looked at my phone. I found, I keep like, I do these for fun when I'm bored. Like I create a set list for a band. I found the one I did for Wasp a while ago. So this is the one I created for Wasp. Open with Inside the Electric Circus. Torture Never Stops. Ball Crusher. Love Machine. Shoot from the Hip. Headless Children. Chainsaw Charlie. The Flame. I'm Alive. Sleeping in the Fire. Hold on to my heart. On Your Knees, Thunderhead, Kill Your Pretty Face, My Tortured Eyes, Tormentor, Wild Child, Animal, I Want to Be Somebody, and then the encore is Forever Free and Blind in Texas. <laughs> I just, uh, according to Wikipedia, Blind in Texas was written in St. Paul. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. That's, I was like, what a weird, weird fact to throw in here. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's epic. a good set list, man. I like that. Yeah, I like that. that. Uh, but you're also, I just got to say this, uh, Alex, nerd. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. We're, uh, and uh, we're the badge probably. I've <laughs> <laughs> heard All right. So yeah, my, I'm gonna go. I'll do my pick from this one. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with the title cut just because it's such an epic song. I'm gonna go with Golgotha. Do we hear the wailing now? Do we hear nailing down to a crown of thorns on so? Come down for sweat like blood comes down. He clips a shadow now. The sun is gone and sorrows come where it slithers from. take uh shit last runaway last runaway favorite is i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with slaves to the, to the new world order only because conspiracy theory song really <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just gonna double you on that one that, that yeah i'm not a big conspiracy theory guy yeah either. yeah i'm i'm, I'm so, sorry not, not not up for the uh q song <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I, I, whatever. Conspiracies are typically like this person wants this, and if you do this, then they get that. That's yes. they're typically not very convoluted at all. Exactly. So connect. It's easy to connect the dots when there's only one or two. So. So that was the that's the most recent record of uh, all new material. There was the re-idolized uh, Crimson Idol re-recording that came out in 2017. But after this, Blackie does the uh, the Bloody Road to Golgotha tour, and they did the re-idolized. And then he did. It seemed like there were a few years where he was just doing a few festival dates. Like after after that, like he would go play a few festivals, and that would be it. I'd always check for when he was playing those festivals online because I wanted to see the YouTube video. Like I'd be like, okay, is he going to put anything new in the set? Oh, he brought back uh, Take Me Up. Let me see how that sounds now. Or, oh, sweet, he brought back Great Misconceptions. Let me see if there's a video of that. I, al- I always keep up with stuff like that for, for Wasp to see what set list oddities might pop up. But uh, it, it kind of seemed like the, the things were stagnant for a minute. And now we've got the tour coming up. Uh, Chris Holmes was supposed to play uh, Monsters of Rock Cruise, but that didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, it's come out since we, I think, I think it was, I don't think it was out till after we did our first episode. That no, Chris we Holmes, talked about it a little bit. Did we? Yep. Uh, I, yeah. Chris Holmes is uh, fighting cancer. So we wish the best to him. But as I look back on the, the, the discography, I think it's an incredible run for a band. Um, even though it's more of one guy, it's more like Blackie's Blackie's run of music. I think it's a great body of work. I think it's a great, like well-written, like most bands would kill to have a catalog that's consistent. I think. And the fact that it does, it's kind of overlooked is kind of a shame. That's why I wanted to do this show. I wanted to shed some light on this music. I wanted to more people to hear it, like kind of like, and break that stigma that's there of Wasp a little bit that just like, Oh, they're, they're the animals, animal fuck like a beast band. And they, they did do that, that, that was their thing for a while, but there's so much more to them. So that's why I wanted to do this show. And, and Baco, thank you for doing it for me, do you, with me. This was a lot of fun. And I've been looking forward to this all week after the last one, because I had such a blast recording the first one with you. This has been great. Oh, me too, man. I, it, th- I, I touched on a little bit earlier. This band is a lot of fun to talk about, but also, um, you know, in my formative years, this was kind of like my second kiss. This and Motley Crue were kind of like the, the bands I was leaning on besides kiss. They were actually, you know, the band, one of the bands that like kind of got me into music beyond kiss. So I, I have almost only fun memory. I'm like, I'm a very honest person. I can poke fun at Blackie Lawless and accept him for who he is. Maybe he can't. Um, but you know, he can sit down with me and talk about it anytime he wants. Uh, but you know what? He's done what he's done. He's accomplished what he has. I agree with you. They are definitely underrated, not appreciated, but like, you know, but largely because they're kind of funny too. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a great onion headline about like, uh, um, Al Gore now getting to listen to his wasp records because he did, he divorced uh Tipper <laughs> Gore. You know, I just just that whole mentality to me is is amazing. And they were at the forefront of that, all that. And as much as D Snyder gets to be kind of the poster child for that PMRC thing stuff, Wasp was one of those bands that, like, you know, I I was there, man. I was in small town America. This was a band that people worried about a little bit. Uh, and so it, it, it's silly to look back and, and think about that stuff now, much like right. the whole spinning records backwards and, and all those things. 
Uh, but at the time, it was very real. It was it was it was a substantive conversation on the fucking national news, and Wasp was kind of really at the head of that, or at least you know towards that that, that frontal group. But man, just such good music. It's so fun to go back and revisit the the records that that meant so much to me at that time, and and they they still hold up for the most part. And then just being able to revisit the entire catalog and then get caught up on some of the the issue, the the albums from the last two decades that I really didn't you know invest as much time in as I did on on the front half of their catalog. Uh, it just I don't know. Kudos to you, man. This is a, this is a lot of fun. And yeah, you're right. This band does deserve a little more attention than maybe they get. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll say this though, much like Glenn Danzig. Blackie Lawless having no sense of humor doesn't fucking help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just just being like this old grumpy guy who won't do interviews because he might get turned into a meme and, and having not the inability to laugh at yourself this far into the game, I think is a hindrance to any creative entity. It's, you know, it was one thing to like, you know, be that guy in 1985, but to be that guy in 2022, I just think, you know, you, you're doing yourself nothing but a disservice to go on the Eddie trunk show and just spew this bullshit and just kind of be that kind of like, like, you know, I mentioned Glenn Danzig because, you know, it's like, you know, the internet has not been kind to him and he's also much like Blackie, one of my favorites, but just lighten up a little bit. You know, it's not the eighties anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, he does need to like, like he does take himself very seriously, and I've never noticed that with Glenn Danzig. But maybe that's just because I haven't followed him as closely. Mm. Uh, I, I I do have to point out real quick. I love Glenn. You know, you know what Glenn Danzig's go to is vocally, right? Yeah. Oh! All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that that's his go. That's his go-to. That's what I think of when I think of Glenn Danzig. <laughs> like I think I think it's a brand new guy. Pretty good. Yeah, and brand new guy he does that. He's like, oh, again, you went in for a little coming. Oh my god! <laughs> like that—that's dancing. Oh god! You know, one of the first articles I wrote for Snark in the Moon was why Glenn Danzig can't buy cat litter. Uh, <laughs> Are you the man behind that meme? Are you the man behind the, behind behind that cat litter meme? Oh no, no, but that was definitely the, the meme was the inspiration for the article. Okay. Like. Well, you're Glenn fucking Danzig. You can't be caught buying fucking, you know, kitty litter. You just can't. You find somebody to go get it for you. Go to go to, go to whatever the chewy.com and, and have it delivered yeah. to your door. But you can't be out there in your black short black shirt, your black pants, and your giant Danzig belt buckle holding a bag of cat litter and not get made fun of. You know, I, you've created this person, man. And that's also why James Hetfield can't put on fucking cargo shorts and a white T-shirt and hold his wife's Gucci bag on <laughs> Beverly Hills. It's just like, it, as much as she deserves time with her husband, she needs to understand she can buy that shit because of who he is. She should not be fucking parading him around like that. That's just, that's just wrong, man. Yeah, that, that, not metal moments. <laughs> that's definitely one of them. That's for sure. That's for sure. Oh, but to, to your point, thank you, Alex. I really appreciate yep. this. Uh, obviously, uh, a band I'm very passionate about, but this was a lot of fun. And uh, y- you're doing a great job with this, too, man. Uh, I really enjoyed being on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate I appreciate that. It's it, And that means a lot coming from you because you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I remember kind of going back to 2015. I remember being in that apartment listening to early episodes of Cobras and Fire, too. So mm. 
yeah i i had I, I, very I, early <laughs> oh oh yeah i remember i remember listening to the episode after bowie passed i remember that hmm. like like and i, I remember some, some it was either you or loose that was complaining complaining about yeah i never really liked fame like that that's like stuck out to me. i was like why are they so angry <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it, it's just We're it's just, just loud we're actually yeah, not that mad <laughs> yeah I, yeah i, I realized that over time like that was like probably like when i first started listening to the podcast but yeah i remember that but yeah very i cool. do find like the first 50 episodes a little difficult to go back to uh we were definitely very early on almost like playing characters we didn't know what to do and then it was actually a conversation about wasp um that kind of clicked with us where we were just talking about like Blackie deciding no longer to throw meat into the crowd because he found Jesus. It was like, uh, <laughs> like, 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 like a drug addict. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and that was one of the, I think that was, that was, he'll tell you the same thing. Um, that, that was kind of like, this is what we got. This is like, and, and that, that started becoming more and more what we do. And, and then once it became kind of natural and we could talk, like less like characters and more like just uh two guys doing a show i think that it improved a lot so yeah no but it's always i really uh it, it means a lot to, to know that that you were listening that long ago so awesome yeah do you want to do some plugs real quick before we wrap this up uh you know what i'm just gonna keep it simple this time that I, I went a little longer than the last one just go to copersandfire.com spell the whole thing out copersandfire.com you can find links to everything that matters all of our episodes the entire archive is on there you can find all our silly conversations uh again we're basically we, our, our mantra is that we make fun of what we love we are a comedy rock podcast talk show uh and so we, we play a lot of we, we try to fe feature new bands quite a bit over time, we've we found that, you know, like it's a little hard to do that 100 percent. But uh, we definitely look towards that angle, trying to bring like artists that are currently doing stuff that gives us the same passion that we had when we were 15, you know, 16, 17 years old. So anyway, Cobras and Fire dot com links to all of our socials and uh, check us out. Uh, follow us, like us, retweet, uh, share all the good stuff. Yep. Do all the good things. Go check it out. Thanks. Thanks again, Baco. This has been an absolute blast. Um, we'll definitely do something again. I don't know what it'll be or when, but we'll definitely do something again for sure. Cause this is just a, a blast talking to you, man. Um, till next absolutely. time. Absolutely, And I got to have you on, I got to have you on uh, Cobras of Fire at some point too. Absolutely. Till next time. I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
my head And hear no voices My face so bold Turn my back To fear redemption Now cause these eyes Slide Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Slide Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Slide Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.